Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, we good to go. It's week 30 of the golfing calendar and we're all just a little bit sleep deprived here at Talk Birdie to me. After a fantastic British Open of the weekend, Please welcome live from the Australian Golf Centre, home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, Nico Hearn and Mark Allen. You played one of the truly great performances here on Lynx Golf. How did that happen? You know, I've always had uh, self belief that that I could do something like this. It was just, you know, when it takes so much time, you know, it's hard not to let your, you know, your mind falter. Like, you know, may, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old. Game's getting younger. All these young guys coming out, you know, hit it a mile, and they're all ready to win. Like, when is it going to be my turn again? And um, it's, been, it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I, I, I think someone mentioned that I've had more top tens, more top tens than anyone since 2017. So that's a lot of times, like, where you get done, and you're like, damn it, man. Like, I had that one. I, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So... Um, yeah, to, to come out and put a performance like that together, like start to finish, you know, just just had a lot of control. I, I don't know why this week, but I, I'm very thankful that it was this week. So that's the voice of the champion golfer of 2023, Brian Harmon. Nick, good to see you. Uh, I want to talk to you about banana skin starts because he had two of them on the weekend with big leads. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, but banana skin start, I've never heard of that. Is this a... Well, what sort uh, of term is it? Is this footy? It is a footy. Okay. You can get banana skin games. Okay. In football, yeah, yeah. a game where you're going to slip up. Brian Harmon had a what a four shot lead on Saturday or five shot lead on Sunday or the other way around five oh. shots and four five shots and six shots. Yeah. Whatever he had, whatever he had, the last thing he wanted to do was make two bogeys before he made any birdies, and he did it twice. On Saturday, he bogeyed one and four. And on Sunday, he pars one, bogeys two, and then bogeys the par five, fifth hole. I mean, if, if you were going to doubt yourself or if you were going to slip up, they're, they're the two starts you'd, you can't afford to have. <laughs> and, you know, we've spoken about this before. How often do big leagues get whittled away? to just one shot or get all the way back to even. It happens all the time, but it just it didn't happen to this bloke, even with those two banana skin starts. Yeah, it was, well, through the Aussie summer, we saw it, didn't we? Yeah. You have a seven, eight shot lead, and all of a sudden it's one with two one. holes to yeah, go. Yeah. I was kind of expecting it on that Saturday. As you said, he got off to that rough start with a bogey mm. on the first, bogey on, uh, on the fourth par yeah. five. But in his press conference, I don't know if you saw it afterwards or it's been out on social media, someone in the crowd has yelled out to him, you don't have the stones for this, oh, Harmon. How was that accent? Was I that... love the accent. <laughs> what, what, what are we actually saying there? Because we don't have subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the stones for this or something like that. Yeah, that's was, what he uh, said. Was, was the comment. And, and that actually snapped him back into, right, hang on, I've got to really lock in and focus here. And and that uh, turned it around for him on that Saturday. He didn't make another bogey. He made mm. uh, birdie on five straight away. He ended up making f- 
three more after that and yep. ended up shooting, what did he shoot, two under, I think? Yeah, he got to 12 under. He, got the, he shot 69 on Saturday. That's, That's right. right. And then Sunday going out, um, I mean, the weather, okay, number one, I was I was actually saying, how good is this? Because yeah. the ashes is on and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and the cricket's going to be saved. Keep raining, keep raining. That's but, right. It is nice to see players play in different conditions. Yeah. You know, the Greens were never going to get flooded, so I was always going to play. No. And I do have interest watching how people manage their their wet weather stuff, but but you're in a better position than me because I was the banana skin shocker. If I got off to a bad start, then I was gone. Really? Yeah, banana just skin mentally, king. mentally gone straight right. after that. I, I would think the worst, but you never seemed to. You know, you, you kept on just cashing big checks, Nick, your whole <laughs> career, no matter what sort of a start you got off to. Where did they all go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, and that's the key to performing at the highest level is to remind yourself, okay, hang on, it's one shot at a time. It's that yeah. old cliche. Yeah. We speak about it all the time. Golf is one shot at a time. Stay in the present moment. It's so boring, yeah. but it works. And I think the confidence Harmon got from the way he started the day before and mm-hmm. how, how he was able to bring it back. And then he started in a similar fashion. He hit, uh, I mean, look, a bogey on the first few holes was not out of the ordinary. Everyone yeah. was doing it. That first hole completely changed. Yeah. The fairway bunkers, like Minwoo Lee, he was carrying all of those bunkers uh, the yeah. first couple of days. Comfortably. On the Sunday, he was about 20 metres short. And I'm thinking, wow, yeah. okay, this golf course is playing completely different. So Harmon had his chance. So he bogeyed, what did he bogey? He bogeyed uh, two. No, this is on the final so day. Two and two, two and the par four. five. Two on the par five. Par he made a six. The fifth hole. He yeah. had an unplayable. That's right. He he yep. blocked his drive and he got a little bit lucky with his shot uh, after the drop to actually miss the bunker, which um, I think Cameron Young might have flirted with yeah, as that's well. Right. So, but he then backed it up with uh, clutch putts on the next two holes. Birdied six, birdied seven, yeah. and from length, twenty footer and a thirty footer, and it was like, wow, this guy yeah. game over almost. I did mean, you, it wasn't, but yeah. did you see the putting stat that he had for the week? Inside 10 feet? Inside 10 feet, he had 60 of them, and he made 59. Now, a lot of those are little ones, right? (laughs) A lot of those are little two-footers. So let's say half of them are 30. So 30 of them, he's probably got two and a half feet and in. Hmm. The rest, to only miss one from inside 10 feet for the whole week. You know, obviously he's he's been a brilliant player his whole life. You know, he had a, he had a great amateur pedigree. He played in the Walker Cup twice. Um, he NCAA uh, champ there at one stage. So he's always been a very good player. I saw a stat during the week, uh, and, and well done again to Golf Channel. That I love that show afterwards. You know, uh, live from from the golf from the Open. Um, he's had the most top tens in the last six years without winning of any player on that PGA Tour. And let's face it, I mean, if they're not the best players in the world, it's it's pretty close to it. Mm. That if you're playing on the PGA Tour, you're one of the best. So he, he'd owned that one too. He hadn't won for a while. He's won twice. But listening to him talk, you know, like we did at the top of the program, um, factoring all that in, uh, and the two banana skin starts on Saturday and Sunday, it was a mighty, mighty win. Yeah, it was. Every time he looked as though he was slipping and Strucker got within three at one point. I think Ram got within three. Yeah. He would just nail a putt for birdie. Yeah. It was so, so impressive. Yeah. What was his university? University of uh, Georgia, which is the Bulldogs, right? So yeah, it's I think that's ver- right. Very, very aptly named uh, in his case because he is an absolute Bulldog, this guy, and a wonderful competitor. And 
people were talking about he was, you know, he was a short hitting left handed. He's not short. He averages two hundred and ninety four yards off the tee. That's not short. That's you, about you, you are much shorter. I'm than shorter. Him. I'm about twenty behind him. Wow, so, uh, that's amazing. Th- that's about five yards behind the tour average. They're around two ninety nine, three hundred yards these mm. days. But the, the putting stat that I saw was after the third day, he was forty four from forty four inside ten feet, and I think thirty three from thirty three within within five feet. So he'd had eleven putts from five to 10 feet that he'd made. Mm. And then going into Sunday, he finally missed one on the 13th, I think for par, which was he had 55 in a row inside 10 feet. So yeah. when you put on a putting display like that, he was at least two strokes better than the next person putting wise for the week. His tee to green was, you know, he was top 10, top 20, yeah. something like that. But uh, you add all that up and the composure he had, he also had a great man on his bag, Scotty Tway, who's Bob Tway's brother. Yes. Bob is uh, 1986 when... He hold the bunker shot to beat On the Norman. Seventy second hole. Yeah. So Scott's his brother, lovely guy. I've known Scott for for a long time when I was over I, there. I had no idea he was a caddy. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew Bob had a son who plays and plays okay. You know, he, I think he's won a tournament somewhere along the line. And but yeah, I didn't realise his he, Bob's brother was a tour caddy. Tour caddy. Yeah, I had no been, idea. Been out there a long time too. And and when wow. you see Harmon standing next to him, it's the, the yeah. long it's the long and the short of it. Yeah. And at the presentation, it was quite funny because the uh, the amateur golfer, what is he, six foot eight? Did you see six him? Six foot eight. Yeah. So start of the week, how was his opening round? By the way, well, the only amateur to make the cut mm. uh, shot the five under, uh, and then I stupidly, because I'd been following, <laughs> I stupidly was telling people on radio that it's not far-fetched. If you get 81 bucks, which he was paying after round one, that he could win. He ended up coming next to last, didn't he? Made the cut on the number. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he was almost almost Rod Pampling. Rod Pampling in 99, I have to go back to the one I played in all the time. Rod Pampling led the tournament after round one. He was the only player under par. Uh, I think after round one, shot 70 at Carnoustie and then missed the cut with, I think he shot 86. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I shot 86 in the second round as well. It wasn't hard to do mm. on, the, on that particular golf course. But my God, to, to, to see that big kid fall away the way he did, I mean, he ended up winning the, the best amateur. He had but, a good time, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Did you see him on the 17th? Uh, I did. I was watching that. What do you, th- well, let's tell people what happened. So it was a bit like the party hole. Mm. And he was egging the, you know, he wanted some noise. You know what they do at the first hole of the Ryder Cup and things like that. He's got his arms in the air. Yeah. He's flapping away, wants some noise. What do you reckon the RNA would say? I have a feeling they might have pulled him a bit aside <laughs> in the clubhouse a little later and said, uh, what was his first name? Is it Christo? Christo. Christo. Um, next year when you're playing, because I'm assuming he gets an invite back being the limb leading amateur. Yeah, I reckon he must. He probably would. Maybe don't go down that road again where yeah. you're going to incite the crowd a little bit. Well, I watched him a month ago win the Amateur Championship, which is the British Amateur. Um, he didn't miss a shot. Really? He, he didn't miss a shot, and he's been killing it on the East Coast in college golf as well. Mm. Hasn't been missing shots, so I stupidly thought he might be half well, a chance. They showed a still shot of his impact with the driver, and the knee bend is incredible, obviously. Yeah. But, but he can only use a 46-inch driver rather than the... Because he's six foot eight, yes. But the, there's a limit on how long the driver can be now. these days. That's right. He's he used to have forty six and a half. Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. Only, only really? had to take half an inch off. Yeah, mm. only had to take. Half I would have thought off. he'd had at least three more inches on this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was it was a great week for him, and he had a lot of fun. But um, but that weather, I, I love seeing that sort of a thing. You know, when, mm. when the weather comes in, that's when you know who the real pros are and how many towels they've got in the bag. The yeah. caddies work overtime; they yeah. really work their butts off. How good was Wilbur in the wet? Because no. it's it's always the mark of a very very good caddy. I mean, uh, a lot of the time, you know, I had friends on the bag, and if mm. it rained. It was a disaster, you know. Oh, yeah. You basically have to do 
the wet weather work for them. But every once in a while you'd play, uh, with particularly the Europeans. The European caddies, or the English caddies, my God, did they make your life much, much easier. And, and just keeping the grips dry, keeping the towels dry, um, putting three gloves underneath the umbrella. Well, yes. I reckon it was one of the greatest tricks I've ever seen. Gloves, towels, they put everything up there. And I, I remember always finishing a, a, a day and I'd feel a little wet and everything. Wilbur was absolutely sloped, but the clubs were always dry and my hands were dry. And the hands, that's the most important thing. You've yeah. got to keep those hands and those grips dry and he was the best at it. Yeah, and, and you've got to look after him too. You know, when, when it's his turn, this is, just, this is an early masterclass, all right? It's not, it's not worthy of a full-blown It's not the masterclass. No, no, okay. it, it's, it's a nice early one. But if you do have a caddy, let's say you're playing pennant, where most people who might be listening to this um, might have a caddy. If it is raining, you've got to help them because they've got to still clean the clubs a little bit normally. But what you do in this case is you let them hold the umbrella and you do all the cleaning. Mm. And you, and, you, and you make sure. And then the best bit is you take the umbrella let them get let wet. Them get so wet. they've got to get wet. <laughs> if, if your caddy is not drenched at the end yes. of the day, you've done something stupid. Yes. You've got to revel but in his wetness. They're not a good caddy if they're dry <laughs> at the end of a, a no rainy way. day. They have to be soaked. Did you, see the, uh, did you see the local guy, Matthew Jordan? What a great story he Fantastic. was. Fantastic. Apparently he's been playing reasonably well. You know, when they build it up on day one, because we all, you know, you and I were all super keen to watch it. So we're, we're watching the first hit at 3.30 on Fox Sports. Thanks again, Fox Sports, for putting it on. Fantastic. I had the, I had the impression that he was new to the pro game but he's been out there a little bit and he's been playing pretty well but you know to see him getting looked after with the crowd and, and playing some good golf yeah, yeah i love that stuff yeah and it, it, you could see the nerves you know in his face i think on that opening he hit the opening tee shot first tee yeah. shot of the golf tournament and he ended up finishing tied 10th with uh who was it uh, homer and Tommy he Fleetwood tied 10th. tied 10th. He Are birdied the last me? for a nice top 10 he picked up about three hundred and ten thousand us dollars so that goes yeah. in the kitty because uh, he was, well, he still lives at home with his mum and dad who yeah. live around the corner in Hoylake. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see, uh, uh, I think Top 31 made 100000 Got six figures yeah, in this tournament. Yeah, it sounds about right. Mm. I think it was a $16 million tournament or something like that. But uh, The purse has doubled in the last, what, 10 years or something? I, I saw an article. The 17th hole you spoke about earlier with Christo. Yeah. What did you think of it? The par three, because that was all the rage going yeah. into the tournament. We obviously saw Travis Smythe got the yeah. hole in one. Yeah, that was a great thrill for him. Well, I think the soft conditions sport the fun for the RNA. I think I think they wanted to, <laughs> they wanted to tap dance on somebody's grave. Yeah, I, I really believe that. The hole looked nothing like the rest of the golf course. You know, had all the bunkers leading all the way up. Yep. It was up in the hill. It was a little too severe around the greens. I yeah. know. I know what they were doing. I know what they were doing, and I get it. Uh, I don't know. I would be surprised if Royal Liverpool go back to the old way. You know, is, oh. is the old hole still there or did they build that hole on top of the old hole? Or They built it on top. So oh, where okay. the tee is is where the green used to be and where the green is, the tee was. Right so, no. Oh, yeah. well, no, well, it's it, going to stay this way. It's got to stay that way, but it looks nothing like the rest of the golf. I, I think they either need to just sink the green a little or, or raise the surrounds a bit, one or the other. Yeah. It just was too severe in some cases because we saw Lucas Herbert's round come yeah. apart in the first day, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they wanted more of that. Mm. Well, they got it with Fleetwood on the final day. He made triple. Did he make a triple? Yeah. To, to drop right out. I saw. I saw. I only saw a farewell tweet, and he wasn't happy. No. No. He was no. disappointed. Just while we're talking about the golf course, I've got to say that the older the golf course, one of the reasons I like them better 
is because the smaller the greens. Mm-hmm. And when all these golf courses were built over 100 years ago, and I'm, I'm talking about all of them, the ones here in Australia, the ones we see in America, and definitely the ones that are on the rotation uh, in, uh, in Britain, the green size is just right. It's just better golf. Um, you don't see the big elephants that are required to make greens harder when the modern greens are, you know, they're built with. And, and the reason is these days we've got the money and we've got the equipment and we've got everything that is required to make these big, ugly, rotten-looking greens. <laughs> and, and the example I will use to demonstrate is Huntingdale, the Australian Masters. Now, once upon a time... Uh, before it was untouched. Huntingdale, it wasn't the best golf course in the world, but it had a bit of soul, and the players loved it. And, you know, there's there's been a little bit when Bradley Hughes won his first Masters this week uh, uh, on Twitter. His winning score was... And you were, you were on yeah, there as well. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were making him wait for that I, putt, I, weren't you? I did. I should have got two-shot penalty for <laughs> the length of time I was taking over that last putt. Gee, the head looked good, though. Uh, well, thank you. Can, can, but can I, before I go on, I must tell you and people who saw that on Twitter, the reason I was really wanting to make that putt was because all of my bonuses were, were staggered. <laughs> so top five finishes were worth double the amount that top 10 finishes were worth. Nice. So I was wearing a Microsoft hat and it was a $5,000 bonus for a top 10 and a $10,000 bonus for a top five. Oof. And, and and the same with Schweppes. I had $10,000 bonuses for top fives and five for top tens. So that part, I had to hold it. I, like, it was the first time I looked at the scoreboard. <laughs> that part was the finished solo fifth. Wow. If I missed that part, it, it was a huge drop in mm. cash. You okay. took a very, very long time. Yeah, and, and the best one, back, back at Thanks, thanks Dan. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> the, the biggest one was Titleist. Titleist, it was 10, back in those days, so it's 1992 or 1993, well, yep. I've forgotten. Back in those days, it was a $10,000 US bonus. US. Wow. For top five and 5,000 top 10s. That's probably and more only, than what you made in the tournament. That, that's, that's, well, <laughs> in the end, I only made 30000 bucks for finishing tied fifth. I made $85,000 for the week, all on bonuses. But that part... You know, uh, that part, there was a lot of, there was a lot riding on that part. I, I reckon there was probably, you know, 30, it was a $30,000 part. That's why it took so long. Fair enough. Anyway, my point being that back in those days, I think 10, 12, maybe a 15 under would win the Australian Masters. That was it. Then they went crazy with the redesign. And one of the things they did, they wanted more pin placements, which was a catchphrase there for a little while of all designers. You only need four. You only need four. That is exactly <laughs> right, Nick. And they made these greens so big. From that point forward, any pro can two-putt from anywhere. Hmm. Once you find, If you've hit the ball in the rough, once upon a time, you know, you used to lose control of that ball hitting to small greens like we saw all week at, Royal, at, uh, Royal, at Hoylake. But when the big greens come into play... Pros, pros can control their ball pretty well out of rough. And when the greens are so big, you only have to knock it on the front edge. Even the pins at the back, we can two-putt most of the time mm. if you're sharp. And the winning score at Huntingdale went from 12, 13 under par most years to 22, 23, 24 under par because it became quite difficult to make bogeys if you were on your game. Yep. Now, so, the, as you, to your point, Royal Liverpool had it perfectly. So perfect. Even the ones that were bigger, they had these runoffs would actually make them play smaller. Yeah. So 
they had the combination of the large and the small and it's just a wonderfully uh, designed golf course and and it, it tested at every facet of your game i yeah. think length was was important on certain shots i actually really enjoyed the internal ob's they were fun on the third and on 18 that 18th that caused some havoc that's for sure yeah well, uh, well, why was it internal? Is it because it was a? Well, it's in inside the inside yeah. the golf course. But why? Why is it like that when you play there socially? I wonder. Yeah. Or is it just because they didn't want people taking shortcuts down the right hand no. side with a better angle in? That's a permanent uh, internal out of bounds for whenever you play socially or in a tournament. I've seen it there before. Right. Mm. So in in my head, I imagine that there would have been some young fellas going before mm. it, going all the way down the right and just getting the advantage coming in from the right. And they're going, oh, we don't like this. Let's yeah. put the internal. Well, I think it maybe it's possibly the range for the golf course because oh, okay. uh, yeah. they had the range off-site. But I, I have a feeling it could be the range and, and where normally. they practice normally. Yeah, because there was, they have to have space for the corporates and the hospitalities and things like that as well, obviously, during the tournament. So they couldn't have yeah. a range in there as well, which it probably normally is. I'm not exactly sure. but uh, How about uh, Cameron Smith's eagle on, the, oh, uh, on round two? Needed birdie to make the cut. Needed birdie to make the cut. And when you watch the drive, you know, most people were hitting the little healy ones, the, mm. the little the safe healy one that starts left and cuts back. He didn't. He just, he just went whoosh. That was his best drive of the week. Whoosh. It's as though he's got a boatload of money in the bank and he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost <laughs> like that. It was one of those swings. And, and then uh, what are you hitting, four iron, five iron or if, something if like that? that? I think it was probably five or six iron. That's yeah. a 600-yard hole. Mm. Well, I was playing down and a bit firmer, obviously, on the anyway. on the first couple of days. But uh, Rory, he had a bit of a run early. Yes. Three under. I think he birdied uh, three through five, three, yes. four, five. And I'm thinking, here we go. Here we go. Yes. Unfortunately not. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm on board with you. I've watched him all week this yeah. week. And, and you know what I was talking with the head and all that, with the putting. The nose Here, leads his shoulders. Here's no my doubt. other thing with Rory. And I hate to say this. Well, maybe I don't hate to, and I, well, I hate no. I hate because it's his. Uh, it goes to his caddy, Harry. Yeah. He needs a, needs a different caddy. That's in my opinion. I think he needs someone like a, a Billy Foster, who's a bit more in your face and will give you a bit of uh, tough love when you need it. Yeah. Basically, I don't uh, see any tough love. There's coming nothing from this kid. coming from Harry. No. Uh, he's not reading any of his putts either. Either I don't think, and no. maybe someone could help him in that regard. But JP, who was on his bag when he won his four majors, he was brilliant. He there, there's a famous. Uh, line that JP told Rory during one of the majors that he won where he was going through a bit of an ordinary stretch he said just remember your Rory effing McElroy yeah and that really kicked him and and made him uh, man up a little bit and yeah. and and really take things on and and he went on to win the golf tournament yeah. and I don't see that coming from one of his best mates at yeah. the moment no it, it's it's unnoticeable and it, it there's a quietness there about is. this kid yeah. and and that's good when things are going well. Well, Rory spoke about he wants to feel comfortable out in the golf course and, you know, but you need that, that extra killer instinct or something in those moments. You watch yeah. the great players. Yeah. When they have the chance to take it, they take it. The yeah. Tigers, the um, the Brooks Kepkers yeah. currently. You know, back in the day, it was Norman, it was Nicholas and all those sorts of players. When, when they had their moment, they really went after it and grabbed it. Yeah. Um, just uh, back on Rory's putting, everyone's having a crack now. <laughs> I, I, I saw uh, Jonathan Yarwood, and if you're not following Jonathan Yarwood on Twitter, yeah, uh, and you're and you love your golf, you're not doing yourself any favors because he, what he gives he these I'll, wonderful I'll grips. Well, he mentioned that the handle isn't pointing at the stomach for long enough, but that, I think he through the stroke. Yeah, I think what you say. Actually, he it fixes it from the right end. Yes, he's fixing it. 
from the from the other end. He's he's seeing what's happening at the other end. So he's saying the handle um, actually goes up on the way through, is up or down, one or the other. Probably. He up. also said his left arm is moving off his side. Side, yes. Which he doesn't like, and, and I'm a huge believer in that. If, if your left arm is moving off the side, I, mm. I think you're putting incorrectly. That's I, what I think. I think a while back he would, had some lessons off Dave Stockton, if you remember him, yes. the putting guru, and he was very much about that back of the left hand to the hole, and that, I think that's probably where it came that, from, and, and maybe it's just continued on ever since. That promotes it, but I, I'm about the fluff your pillows here. Okay. Uh, uh, because <laughs> what I think you said, I think that is the core at what goes wrong. So when his nose, because he's looking with his other eye, when his nose goes, yep. that drags his shoulders off plane as well. And then the shoulders off plane, the only thing you can do when the shoulders are going left is up with the hands, if you know, and holding the club face open, which ends up making the handle go up. Precisely. And also the arm come off yeah. the rib cage. Yeah, you're spot on there. So I, I, I love Jonathan. I love him. Yeah, he's great. He's one of yep. the best. He's one of the best in the whole world. But I reckon you've got the you've got the beginning of what happens, and he's got the <laughs> he's end. Got the end, yeah. No, uh, no uh, I, I, you notice his arm and it comes away. It separates and goes from there, as you say. The other person I think who I was watching and who hasn't made a putt in forever is Scotty Scheffler as well. Yeah. So I was watching. Did he free up in the last round there for a little he, while? He did. Yeah. Made but it he. Look easy. But again, his. I think in his setup, I was watching him. I'm thinking, what's going on with this guy's stroke and everything? Because you get a camera angle from behind, and you mm. think, well, that stroke looked okay. That one didn't. But then I started looking at his setup from side, and and I think his right shoulders are a little high, and he's almost. Um, not open with his shoulders, but I think if he got under a little bit more mm. and dropped that right shoulder lower and feels as though he had a closed uh, yeah. shoulders, I think that would help him release the putter head better through the ball because from what I saw, he just kind of swiped a few and it was like, wow. Okay. There, was a, there was a big trend there for a little while to level the shoulders, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was. I'm not a ben real Crenshaw big believer never in that. Level the no, shoulders. Brad Paxson never did either. No. no. Yeah, so there was a bit of a trend there for a little while. Hey, we've got that much to get through and we have whizzed through the time. Uh, I'll give you that one on the ninth green, and I'll see you on the tenth tee. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like the podcast? Oh, maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. So get the driver out and let's get moving because I want to talk about Jason Day and Jason Day finishing second. And now he's got the career grand slam in seconds in the majors. <laughs> but uh, he's become only the ninth human ever to finish second in all four majors. Mm. Oh, that's a, a surprising number. I thought there might have been 25, just nine. That sounds about right to me. I, I I saw that stat come out, and and some of the names were were interesting. I know Louis Oosthuizen was one of them. Jack yeah. Jack Nicholas was another. Yeah. I don't think Tiger was on that list. I don't think. I'm not sure he's come he running up because he, he usually oh, wins he, them. He usually wins. <laughs> he usually That's wins. Right. No, you're right. But the thing with Jack is he had 
what did he have? 19, eight, eight, nine, nine, he had 18, 19 and 23 yeah, thirds. There you go. I mean, how many runner-ups? Oh. 19 runner-ups, 23 thirds. That's incredible. It, it is incredible. Yeah, but, but Jason played uh, beautiful golf throughout the week and his short game was what really stood out. He didn't hit the ball exactly how we want it, but who does for four days? And then no in those does. conditions uh, in the final round... He put on a bit of a short game clinic, I thought, putted beautifully and, and finished it off nice. It was a good solid week for him. And I think going into the week, he wasn't that comfortable with his game. Mm. So at the end, he said, yep, very, very happy with the week. Wasn't a win, but I don't think anyone was going to catch Brian, really. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we spoke about this not long ago. Um, and it was a case where a player who'd won a tournament had decided not to practice so much because of injury. Mm. The, was it the US Open winner from the girls? I think it might have been. Anyway, Jason's done the same thing. So Jason has been injury prone, and now he's not hitting as many balls. He was always a beautiful chipper and putter. Uh, when he got to number one in the world, when he was winning the USPGA and that stuff, he, he was magnificent. But it, it is interesting to see these players who get a little bit sore, stop trying to hurt themselves, focus a little bit more on... Uh, what's under your roof back at home? He's got that amazing putting machine floor that he's got. Back, yeah, in, the, back his, in the barn. Back in the barn, his golf barn. You Incredible. heard of these, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the video. It's amazing. He's got. It's just ridiculous. And the you know the the lights, the floor changes and the brakes change, and so do the lights. That well, when it snows for it. six months of the year, there you probably yeah. should have a, some sort of an indoor thing. But you know, it was an impressive performance. The other profess, uh, impressive performance, by the way, was by, from the. Fitzpatrick brothers. Did you see that? Oh, Matt Fitzpatrick and I didn't Alex. Think his bro- I thought his brother was just some kid. No, no. He I plays challenge have, tour. Good, I had good play. no idea. Well, you saw him at the US Open when yeah. Matt won behind celebrating. Yes. Oh, that's huge. But it was a great week for him. Yeah, what did he finish? Um, he I think it was minus there. two in the end. He beat Matt by four. So I think minus two might have been 20th or something Matt like that. He beat Matt by four. Yeah, so... That is superb. He won the chocolates in the family. Tell me about some of our other Australians and give us some more results too. Yeah, so Cam Smith and Adam Scott tied for 33rd. Obviously, Cam gave the claret jug back at the start of the week. but He was emotional. Couldn't re- he was. Yeah, yeah he a bit teary. said to his mates, uh, I'm going to get it back shortly in a few days, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Uh, uh, Mim- just on Cameron Smith, mm. I thought he was swinging better this year than he did the year he won it. You know, that, that loopy thing that he has at the top. Mm. Wasn't there as much this week, but he obviously didn't have the world record putting that he had the year before. Yeah. But uh, you know, the five birdies in a row, the putter, the putter was off the charts it was. last year. But just interesting that I think he's swinging much better. Yeah, I think for him, months down the track, his golf swing is based around rhythm and and, and the sinking yeah. of the of the transition. And and you're right, I think uh, it looks as though he's swinging the club pretty well for yeah. the most part. And his little rehearsal, I could almost see he was it was like he was uh, doing this rehearsal with not as much wrist break. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I took a few pictures of it last year. At one stage, you know, he'd he'd get it into this nice spot, and then the swing would start. It would cross the line and almost touch his neck yes. on the way down. And he won a British Open. <laughs> doing that it was you know it was unique could have made your rehearsal yeah. list last week yeah, but it couldn't have. Yeah, never mind uh, next time <laughs> the other player who I'm sure was disappointed over the weekend was Minwoo Lee he was tied mm. fourth after two rounds and unfortunately faded on the weekend to shoot uh, I don't know what he shot in the end but uh, tied for 41st so a bit disappointing his uh, sister Minji made an appearance too she oh. flew in for the weekend to really? go watch her brother because no brother and sister have ever won a major championship. So he was trying to get that record. That'll be a big deal when they tick that box. Mm. And and I think they will. They will. I, yeah. I think they will. And, and uh, I think he was the only player who'd been in the top 20 
after 54 holes in the last three majors, Min Woo Lee. Wow. Uh, just those little milestones, just obviously feeling pretty comfy where yeah. he is. No, he's checking them off. Uh, yeah. And then New Zealander Ryan Fox tied for 51st. He had an interesting, very up and down week. Yeah. He started off great on the Thursday, was two under through five and shot 78. Yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a made cut for the Kiwi anyway, so well done. But uh, getting to some other results across the pond, they had the opposite event field, uh, yeah. tournament, the Barracuda. I actually watched the playoff. Uh, of that one. That was a fascinating one because there's a young guy called Ash K. Batia. Have yeah, you heard of him? I've been watching him. Turn pro. left hander. Turned pro when he was 17. Didn't go to college. Right. He's, and his dad said, Look, I know you don't like studying. Why don't we just skip college? Let's just turn pro. Well, so, that gamble has paid off. Yes. So. He's 21 now and he beat Patrick Rogers in a playoff uh, who hadn't won in 246 starts. <laughs> so that's a tough one. I wouldn't mind. Uh, what's his name again? Ash K. I think he needs to eat a few pizzas. Yeah. He's the skinniest winner I've ever seen on any tour anywhere. His waist size, I don't know what it would be, but it's 26. Crazy. Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. It's oh, a 26. Is it? Oh, there you go. Uh, Jason Scribner, who got a start because of the DP World Tour yeah. Yeah. Uh, relationship there, he was tied for 28th. Uh, on the LPGA Tour, they had a team format event going. The Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. Best of the Aussies was Sarah Kemp and Canadian Alina Shark. They finished 8th. That's nice. Nice week for Sarah. Karis Davidson had a good week, tied 13th. And uh, who else teamed up? Uh, Hannah Green and Sue Ove, tied 26th. On the Epsom Tour, Gabby Ruffles, you'd be pleased to know, missed playoff by a shot. She finished third. 2024 so is going to be it's gonna great be fun huge. to watch, Gabby. Yeah. Yep. And the other uh, couple, a nice round by uh, Robin Choi in the final round. She finished tied fifth. Cassie Porter tied for 13th. Good to see her playing yep. better as well. Uh, Corn Ferry Tour, this is just fascinating because I, uh, yeah. I remember this golf course. If you shoot 16 under over four rounds, what do you think you would finish normally in a regular tournament? In a, in a regular tournament? Yeah. You should be finishing 10th. 10th, okay. Well, Curtis Luck had 16 under and he finished tied for 32nd. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I mean, that's it? just ridiculous. But I've played the golf course and it's it's yeah. it's not easy, but it's you know not too difficult as well. But what's, 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 the, what's the one tournament that you remember yep. where you, you've made the cut You've played pretty well, and you've gone yeah. backwards. So I've got one. I don't know where it was. It was a <laughs> Nike Tour event. It was a four under cut, and I shot five under par after the, uh, both rounds. So I'm playing in the weekend. Yep. And then I shot 68, 67, and I went uh, further, way down. <laughs> I, I like <laughs> wherever I was because the top 50 made the cut. So let's say I finished 40th. I shot those two scores yeah. and finished 48th. That's it was impossible. That's a joke. Isn't it was it? impossible. Yeah. The Corn Ferry Tour. I mean, I remember uh, one. One year, well, two weeks in a row, I had five under and six under, and I missed both cuts. Yeah. It was six and seven. But, Outrageous. Uh, but Pearson Cootie won that tournament by two strokes from his twin brother. Oh, you're joking. No. I didn't know his that. His twin brother, Parker, who finished tied for second. Uh, Pearson, who's 37 minutes, minutes younger, he, he got the cheese. So there you go. Are you joking? <laughs> what a story. That's a big, that's, that's going to get lost. Uh, it will do. That'll huh? get lost in the in the British Open wash. I find these things for you, Mark. Oh, it's all I'm glad good. you do. And then uh, just more on the Aussie front, uh, Steph Bunky on the LET access tour, tied for third, and Kelsey Bennett tied for sixth. So that's Where do you uh, get Steph's, all this stuff from? That's, that's well, off the PGA website, oh, okay. you know, PGA Australia. You've got to look they these give, things they up. give you secrets away. But that's a good, uh, a good result for Steph because uh, she's trying to get a card over there in Europe. What about your pink buddy making a hole in one? on 17. Oh, I know. That wasn't bad. How good, Well, yeah. it was about 10 over at the time. <laughs> Poor bugger, but still, wow. it was nice. A one at the British Open. Do you get anything? Because you get crystal at the Masters, you get a little bit... Yeah, you get pieces. crystal for eagles at the Masters. I never got any of that, unfortunately. Never made an eagle. Oh. But a hole in one, you should get something. Yeah. Well, you get the honour on the next tee, so there you go. From the to the 
Uh, it's time for some feedback, Dan. I'm glad you piped up. What do you got for us? Okay, while you're talking the open, uh, Mick, who's a virgin pilot, and so he had to, he was saying he's got a timey sleep. Oh, the Mick. Open. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He said, well, with Brian Harmon leading the final round of the open last night, this is a couple of nights ago, at least I could go to bed early as there was no way I was going to watch him. I'm not a Harmon fan. No, well, he spends so much time over the ball fiddling around, waggling away. Mick feels about Harmon like you do about Keegan. Yeah, well, well Keegan's different because Keegan's before he gets over yeah, the ball. true. This is what he does over the ball. It was... Yeah, I didn't want to watch in the end. It was so hard, and I was counting the waggles. Did, did you, you say they had to? a they had a waggle meter or something? Yeah, I need a waggle yeah. meter. They but, that, that little well, there ding, was ding, that, every, ding. so often there was seven. Sometimes there was eleven. Is that right? Yeah, it, it did vary. That was the fascinating thing. And you know what? After the third round, they showed him hitting balls on the range. He would take one or two, and that was it. There you go. And then on the golf course, he's taken ten or eleven. But it works for him. What do you think causes it? Is it like a nervous tick, or is it a, is it like a, a Rafael Nadal sort of? Uh, I might end up doing a masterclass. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to do a masterclass on over the ball. But there was one guy, Sergio Garcia, who had the same problem. But he doesn't do what Brian Harmon does. And that was he would waggle while looking at the ball. And then he would look up at the target. And then because he wasn't moving, he would look back at the ball. And then he's got to start moving. And then he'd waggle again. And it became a, a vicious circle where he'd go around. And he was having 15 waggles before he could yep. pull the trigger. But the last, the, if you watched Harmon closely, because I, I was, because yeah, there was nothing else yeah, to watch, yeah. um, the last three looks became a, a sort of a, a normal one, a slightly quicker, and then a, just a, glim, a, a, right. a glimpse. So there was actually a little routine in there with it. There was a routine. Yeah. It was just quite bizarre. But, but he, he at least waggles while he's looking at the target. Yeah. So I'm, I give him no excuse for freezing up, because <laughs> okay. he does it the right way. He just kept on doing it. A uh, message from Chris Payne who said, uh, great fun podcast, guys. Very informative. Keep up the great work. Which That's is very nice. nice. Good yeah, on you, Chris. Very Thank nice. Thank you. We put a tweet up this week uh, about how many countries this podcast is listened to. And there's about 60, 70, 80 countries around the world, which is really, really good. It's very nice. We've got zero listeners in Latvia. Well, oh, that's Latvia. rubbish. None. Oh, we need more. None. So Tim McCullum has uh, messaged us and he <laughs> said, Tim McCullum has said, who would be Latvia's leading professional? No, off the top of my head, I wouldn't know. I couldn't tell. Well, you. I looked it up. You've, you've oh, you've done the research. Up. Good. No, no I don't. Know, I don't know if these guys are still playing or girls are still playing. <laughs> Far away. And I don't know if I can pronounce them. But Go on. heard of a bloke called Roberts Emanas. No. No. Okay. He turned pro in 2017. Don't know if he still is. Okay. Um, Ingars Mattisons. Ingars. Turned no. pro in 2020. No. no. Okay. No. Anna Dianka Svanka. Great name. <laughs> Dianka Svanka. Oh, that'll be. How good awesome would that on be? The TV. On the T. Yeah. Dianka Savanka. She's in the bunker. <laughs> it is a good name. Yes. What about Laura Jansen? No, uh, sorry. No, no, not not a sister long lost relative of Lee Jansen. No. He won a couple. He went two US Opens. Two US Jansen? Opens, yeah. yeah. No, different spelling. And the last one that I could find, Krista Poizit. Poizit? Hmm. No. No, sorry. I don't know so, of those uh, like Latvian golf players. I don't, I don't know if Tim, that helps at all, but uh, there's, there's some who were Tim. professional for a while. Uh, David Kutcher lot, thought the masterclass last week. Excellent. Great communication and relatable coaching. Fantastic. Beautiful. Thanks, Very David. Good. Very good. And speaking of uh, uh, videos, Luke Thomas has written in and said, Nick, why are you putting right-handed? Now, I know you've talked about this mm. a lot, but I, mm. we, we get this sort of message a lot, so I feel we need to keep explaining sure. why you're doing it. 
Yep, left-handed too easy. So that's why. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, true, folks. No, it's not. Yes, um, it is. It's so ridiculous. For Luke, uh, I used to use the broomstick putter for many years on tour. When they brought the anchoring ban in, I didn't like the unanchoring, so I started tinkering around with a short putter. And I must admit, I was a little yippy left-handed short. Really? Heebie-jeebies or yips? Uh, uh, he, no, it was just heebie-jeebies. right. And I played nine holes one day for a bit of fun right-handed and and putted beautifully and thought, ah, okay. But yeah. the more I think about it, I'm one hand right hand. Right hand is my dominant hand, which I've spoken about before. And I think whatever your dominant hand, that is the mm. way you should putt. Putt. Mm. That's right. And and for if you're new to the podcast, when Nick plays right-handed, his name is Nico Who. Yes. Not Nico Hearn. Actually, I might pop into Golf Australia and see if I can talk to him about yeah, getting that handicap. You've actually got to do that. You've been saying that for about two months now. You're actually going to do anything <laughs> I keep about forgetting. It. Hey, it's time for our top five. All right. And in honour of the waggles of... Oh, don't do it. Brian Harmon. These are my top five toughest players to watch over the ball. Over the ball. Over the ball. You mentioned Keegan before, but he's tough to watch before, before. he gets into the ball. Okay, he has good. all these mannerisms going back and forth. I've got 16 in my head right now. So I'm my top, to hear top five. Number seven. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many annoying players. <laughs> there is a few. Yeah, the top five this week. I'm sorry. You stretched yours out last week. Yeah, Actually, know. no, you had two tied. So I'm yeah, going to stretch out just a couple. A couple of honourable mentions. Our Australian Open winner last year, Adrian Moronk, he was a tough one because he would take that long backswing and I thought he was going to hit it. No, he took a full backswing. Yeah. A full backswing was his waggle. I know. I've never seen that before. Oh. And I, I, I almost started talking, you know, and anyway, it threw drove me off. Me, drove me crazy. Threw me off. Another player, and I know you're not a fan of John Rahm, uh, the way he sets up because his hands are too close. Yeah, I can't watch it. I keep thinking he's going to shank it. Yeah, but John, I, I don't feel that with John, although he has yeah. socketed a couple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, he's so close. Those big thighs, yes. they just look like they're going to get in the way. Yeah, and his head's almost outside the ball sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, Jim Furyk, the way he his hands are almost, his, his hands are actually between his legs at yeah. set up. They disappear. That was annoying. But he, the way he swang, it was just completely his style and it worked for him. But that uh, that was pretty tough to watch whenever you played with him because you were just waiting for that hosel rocket what every number, time. What, what, what number are we up to? That was six and seven, maybe. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go quickly on the next one. Number number five yeah. uh, was uh, Jason Duffner, that, that long, you know, the waggles the he waggle used to take. Oh, it just used to drive me a bit nuts. Yep. Number four, this is an interesting one for me, and growing up, and if you watch the 1996 Masters, you'll see it kept going longer and longer, was Greg Norman. Sometimes when he would get over the ball, he would put the club not behind the ball, but to the next to it. Yeah. And then he'd kind of look up at the target. The feet would start moving everywhere. Yeah. And he'd do that three or four times. And it was just like, come on, just hit it. And he was milking the grip all the time. Oh, you like, yeah, you like the milking of the grip, I don't though. Like the, you don't I'm, like it? I'm no, not okay. a big fan of milking right. the grip. No. Anyway, no. so that's my number four. Yep. Number, <laughs> number three, Brian Harmon. We've already spoken yes, about good. Brian. I'm number two. For the Open Champion. Number two. It's tough to watch Cantlay over the ball. Uh, that's. I mean, he has probably as many waggles as Harmon, but at least Harmon does it quickly. Yeah. Cantley just does it at snail pace and it takes it's, forever. It's no good. Hard to watch. And number one, who you mentioned before with the regrips, Sergio Garcia. Oh, you found him. I found him. I put him there, number one. He was uh, what was it? he was playing the US Open, was it Beth Page, and the New York crowd were going 21, yes. 22, yes. 23, counting off the regrips. Oh, I'd oh. love to get the audio of that. I would yeah. love to find it somewhere. But it must be online. Yeah, it must be like. Let me finish up, see if you can find it. Anyway, uh, that's my top five, maybe top seven for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, time for the masterclass. (laughs) 
So uh, I'm going to do uh, this week what you should do over the ball. And what you should do over the ball is exactly what you should do when you are practicing. Now, you made a really, really good point before, and, and I'm a believer in this. If you're down on the driving range and you have one look, two looks, and then you hit the ball, that's how you practice. So I would put this forward. Why would you practice one way and then under pressure do it totally differently? And if you're doing two looks on the driving range, or even if you're doing one look on the driving range, if you're doing one look on the driving range, it's not many looks, one, but if, if you are, try playing with it. You know, you, 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 might, you might free up. The, the other thing that I love about the players who are beautiful to watch over the ball, Ben Hogan was one of them when you, when you watch him on YouTube, the feet just tap lightly. There's, tap, there's light, light tapping of the feet. There's looking at the target and waggling while you're looking at the target. Um, Sevi Bellasteris, he was, he was a, a non-waggler. He would just have the club dead still behind the ball, and so did his protege, Jose Maria Lathabale. No waggles, but everything else moved. Yeah, you know, their shoulders moved, their feet moved. They almost, it was almost like a, they were dancing before they would hit the ball. And, and, and they're not just dead still like a robot. So that, those things are very, very important. Uh, light grip. Just a light grip. At some stage, if you read Peter Thompson's book as well, you've got to firm up that grip. It's normally when you get towards... But at the start, you're not gripping the club tightly. It gradually gets to the point where you make impact. So all those things are very important. So if you're having 15 looks, you're doing it wrong. If you're waggling while you're looking at the ball, you're doing it wrong. If if you are having 15 waggles um, on the golf course but only two on the driving range, you're doing it wrong. So just fix that up for me, will you? Love it. Just before we wrap the show up, you mentioned Ben Hogan before. Yeah. I Smartless, the podcast that you enjoy, yeah. have got a TV show. Yeah, I've been watching it. Episode one, in the plane, Jason Bateman was reading a book. Did you notice what book he was reading? Don't tell me it was The Five Modern Fundamentals of Golf. It was The Five Modern <laughs> Fundamentals of Golf by Ben Hogan. <laughs> he loves golf, doesn't he? He, does he loves it. Yeah, he played in the AT&T Pro-Am this year, uh, Pebble Beach. Yeah. Well, mm. the three of us love Smartless. We like we it. We do. So if we ever do a podcast where we're doing an interview, I think in honour of Smartless, we should introduce like they do in Smartless. Oh, yes. So you won't know or I won't know. I like that idea. And then okay. we will just read out what they've been doing and it sees how long it takes before you work out who it is. Jeez. All right. Very good. Jason Bateman's got us. Right. He has. He's got us. All right. See you next week. Cheers, mate. Oh, there it is. That's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And if you can share with a friend, well, that'll be awesome too. Talk Birdies Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.